Hey y'all, my name is Eric. I'm the lead pastor at Emmanuel and Hookset. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast. Our goal is to be a blessing to everyone who listens as you continue on your journey of faith. It's also our hope that you'll be encouraged to find a church to belong to so you can plug into that congregation and bless others with the gifts and experiences that God has entrusted you with. Well, I hope this podcast is a blessing to you and encourages you to get out there and be the blessing. God bless. We're going back to our series. We took a little break last week when we talked about Right Now Media. And I want to remind you that um, you can go on our Facebook page and you can get the link for our Right Now Media Challenge if you haven't started your own group. Or if you don't even have the link to have an account with Right Now Media, just hit our Facebook page. It's facebook.com slash Emmanuel Hooks it, name of the church, name of the street. And you'll see pinned to the top is a way that you can Get your own free account. Manuel has decided to invest in Right Now Media, and I think it's one of the best investments we've ever made. And so on Right Now Media, thousands and thousands and thousands of solid biblical content, video Bible studies, there's kids programming. It's tremendous. So even if you don't want to start a Right Now Media group, you should at least take advantage of that free account that we have made available to you. If you want to start a group, the link is there too, or you can also see Peter Cloud. He'll be in the lobby after the service. You can say, hey Peter, help me out. I wasn't paying attention last week, or I wasn't here last week, or I can't find Facebook. So um, moving on, we're talking about let there be love. The last few sermons that, that I preached on this subject, I really focused in on, on our love, our, our love for, for others. Right, the first two sermons, the, the Good Samaritan, and then the second sermon was the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus said, love your enemies. The Sermon on the Mount, love your enemies, Good Samaritan, love your neighbor. It just so happens, it just so happens that both your enemy and your neighbor are the same person, right? It's the same person, your enemy and your neighbor, right? I mean, uh, the Hatfields and the McCoys, right? They could have used that sermon uh, was it West Virginia down in West Virginia? Right? It's amazing. If you go to West Virginia, you will see a church on one side of the street, and then you drive a little further down the street, you'll see another church, and it was caused by a church split. Like they missed the whole point of let there be love and, and love your neighbor, love your enemy. And it was a really intense couple of messages because we talked about this. Like we need to love people that ordinarily we despise. That's what God is telling us to do. He is saying, love that person that if you saw him burning on the side of the street, on the side of the road, you wouldn't cross the street to spit on him, right? Remember that preacher that I quoted? I won't tell you who he was. I can't remember his name. A very ungodly pastor said that about another pastor. If I saw him on fire on the, across the street, I wouldn't cross the street to spit on him. And I thought, I really want to be under that guy's ministry. Uh, no. I thought, why is that guy in ministry? A lot of times we elevate people into ministry positions because they're competent, not because they're compassionate, because they're capable, and not because they're filled with the Spirit. And really, you should be filled with the Spirit and called, not just capable and competent. Anyways, I digress. So we talked about loving people that ordinarily we would not love. And then we talked about this. 
that's bad enough, right? That's difficult enough. I've got to love somebody that I'm really not that interested in, I really don't care that much about, and if I saw him burning on the side of the street, I probably might just kick a little sand on him and go by. But God made sure that we understood this part too. Not only do we love people that we despise, but we're to love people that despise us. Because not everyone that we think is gross hates us, right? But there are people that hate us. And the Bible teaches us that we are, lo- we are to love people who hate us. And when the scripture teaches that, listen, persecution was coming down the road. And persecution, like we in this nation, have never experienced. And yet God told the church, love the people that hate you. So that was the first two messages. If you missed them, you just got an encapsulation. I hope it was a blessing to you and a challenge to you. Now, I want to I emphasize this, that you cannot love those who hate you, and you cannot be transformed to love those whom you hate without the power of the Holy Spirit within you. And without this, the love of God poured out on you that you have personally experienced. There is power in love and particularly power in the love of God. So hold on to your hats. Turn to Romans chapter 5. This is on the Bible app, and you can follow along, take notes on the app. I want to I challenge you. I know that my wife and I, we came, we started coming to ch- I started coming to church here when I was 16, and we used to take notes every service back when you had a notebook and a pen, right? I probably couldn't read any of the notes that I took. I still have some of those notebooks, and every now and then I'll go back and I'll look at the notes that I wrote, Because when God is speaking through his word and a man that God has called to preach is preaching, I don't want to just toss it aside as if it's another program I'm watching on TV. God has given you a gift. So we took notes and you can take notes right there in the app. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access to by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in, and this is the song that that angel just said, we, we glory in tribulation. We glory in the fire knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character what the world needs today. Hope. Now hope is not a Disney World kind of hope. Hope is a, is a concrete assurance on something that you have not yet seen yet, right? Not yet seen. Now, hope does not disappoint. The hope of the world disappoints. The lottery disappoints. Oh, I hope I'm going to win mega bucks. Is that still a thing? I hope I'm going to win Powerball. Is that what it is? I hope I'm going to win Powerball. I'm really hoping I'll win. Man, I, I use my kids' birthdays. This time it's going to happen. That's not hope, right? That's just stupidity. Um, anyways, we go on. This hope from God does not disappoint. Look at the next phrase. Because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. That is how you love those that hate you. 
That is how you love those that you formerly hated. Because the love of God has been poured out into your heart. I want you to think about something. I was up at 4 o'clock this morning. I wrote notes in my phone, but I didn't put it in my sermon. So this may go a little long today because this is awesome. Anybody ever struggle with anything? Sin, doubt, fear, terror. The Bible says, listen, the love of God, there's no terror in love because perfect love casts out fear. Think about that now. This word poor, this word poor sort of harkens back to a gushing wound. The word poor harkens back to the idea of a gushing wound. Does that remind you of anything? Look at the cross behind me. Think about what happened to Jesus. He's bleeding profusely as he hangs on the cross. And then because he wasn't dying quickly enough, or he died too quickly and they weren't sure he was dead, they took a spear and they shoved it into his side and it hit his heart and it burst and the blood and water flowed out of his side. It poured, it gushed out of his side. And so in God right here, He is saying that His love has been poured out in you through the Holy Spirit that was given to us. He is talking about Jesus Christ and the power of His blood. That is the expression of the love of God is that He was willing to send His only begotten Son and He poured His love out. And I want you to look at your life like this. Your life is sort of like a cup. I wish I had a cup here. Your life is sort of like a cup. And from the time you're born, you're filling that cup up with crap. I know, welcome to Emmanuel. We're going to say some things. I'm going to try not to swear today. But you're filling your cup up with garbage, hatred, lust, stealing, envy, jealousy, wrath. Your cup is being filled up day by day by day. And then you meet Jesus and he pours his love into your cup. And what's happening now is your cup is overflowing. And as more, listen, as the more of the blood of Christ, more of the love of Christ is filling your cup up. Have you ever done this? You ever go to your sink and you get something you got to wash out because your kids put it in the sink and left it there overnight and now it's kind of crusty and nasty and there's stuff inside? And so you turn the water on hot and maybe you pour a little Dawn dishwashing detergent in there and you just start, you start, you get it on sprayer and you just start spraying into that vessel, right? And, and gradually you see the stuff start to come loose from the sides of that, of that cup. And what do they do? Do they sink to the bottom? Do they stay in the cup? No, as the water is pouring in, as the water is pouring in, that which used to be in the cup, becoming loosened, becoming scoured by the pressure of that water, is now overflowing and coming out of that cup. That's an important thing for us to understand. That the more you experience the love of Jesus and the more you allow it to fill your cup, the less room there is for hatred and envy and jealousy and lying and stealing and lust and you name it. Our issue is we handcuff Jesus. We want just enough of His love to get out of hell. And then we wonder why we're not living a loving godly, supernatural life. In fact, we're going to look at a scripture that kind of talks exactly about that, but I wanted to pause here and I want you to understand this, that God's love is pouring into your heart. Open it. Keep it wide open to God. We have a tendency to close. When things get uncomfortable, we have a tendency to pull back and say, nah, it's a little too much, right? 
Keep your hearts open. For when we were still without strength, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God, and the, the demonstration was the blood of Christ being poured out, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us much more than having been justified by his blood. We shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. So number one, point number one, taking notes, write this down. We were all the enemies of God. Every one of us. I am no longer an enemy of God. And he is no longer my enemy. And that's not because I'm a good guy. It's not because I'm a great preacher, thank the Lord. It's not because I'm an awesome pastor. It is because of Jesus Christ. The death that he suffered on the cross and his resurrection and my believing it and activating that faith by crying out to Jesus to be my Savior. By repenting and turning toward God with faith in Christ. When I did that October 7 of 1987, I said, I've had enough. I can't stand the sin in my life anymore. I can't change myself. I don't know what to do. And Jesus said, ask me to save you and I will. I said, Lord, save me. And he saved me October 7, 1987. He has never let me go. But I was, I was the enemy of God. I was the enemy of God. But, but just as, as Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount, God loved his enemies and made them his friends. If you're here and you think that you're going to heaven because you're a good dude or a good dudette, you think you're going to heaven because you give to the church, you give to charity, you're going to heaven because uh, you save someone's life, you're going to heaven because you work a suicide hotline, you're going to heaven because of all these really good things, you have not taken care of what counts and that is your sin. That's what separates you from God. Not a lack of good deeds. A lack of good deeds is not what separates you from God. It is sinfulness in our hearts. And we are all born, to quote Lady Gaga, we are all born that way. We are all born with sinful hearts. The Bible teaches us very clearly. So we were the enemies of God, but God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Think about that. God loved His enemies and made them His friends through Jesus Christ. Turn to Romans chapter 8, verse 31. What shall we say to these things then? God loved us. He poured out His love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, and that love is a person in the blood of Christ, right? The demonstration of God's love is Jesus. What shall we say then to these things? If God is for us, who, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Pause on that. We're going to go back to that. Oh, Lord, I want to jump ahead. Listen, if you haven't seen The Passion of the Christ, it's on Amazon Prime right now. You watch it for free. I challenge you to watch it. I know people like, it's a Catholic film. They got it right though, so I'm going to give it a watch, all right? 
It doesn't matter if Mary's uh, habit looks black and white. None of that matters. What matters is it portrays Jesus Christ biblically and he dies on the cross and it is powerful. And I remember I went to see this film in Londonderry because back then Baptists didn't go to movies, but I wanted to see it. So I had to go away from here because I didn't want to get condemned by all you legalistic Baptists. And so I went to see this film by myself because my wife gets grossed out by gross stuff and she didn't want to see all the blood and guts. And so I went to this film by myself and I sat down there and this verse was repeating over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. Because unlike some of you, I have insecurities. Unlike some of you, I don't feel worth it. I rarely feel worth it. I rarely feel worthy. But as I sat and watched that film, and I, uh, this, this verse kept repeating in my mind, I saw this, God loves me. He loves me so much that He didn't spare His own Son, but delivered Him up for me. Guys, I, where are you at this morning? If you're at a place where you feel unworthy, unloved, uncared for, can I tell you something, man? God loved His enemies and made Him His friends. He spared no expense for you. Put your name in there. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for me. Oh man, I hope that you grasp that today because that is a personal thing. Who shall bring, who shall bring a charge to God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who, should, who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall, shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? What's going to separate you from a God who spared no expense to make you His friend? There is nothing. There is nothing. If you have come to Jesus, there is nothing that can separate you. As it is written, for your sake, we're killed all the day long. We're accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. And this is, listen, this is, this is today. 20, 30 years ago, Christians enjoyed popularity in our country. Maybe more like 50. Christians influenced our culture. Christianity used to be a respected belief system. Today, not so much. Today, if you're a Christian, you might as well wear a dunce cap because that is what your culture thinks of you. I always love meeting Christians with master's degrees and doctorates, and I wonder, how do those who persecute and, and, and uh, malign and marginalize Christians as stupid, how can they, how can they, uh, Lord, COVID brain's hitting me, how can... Thank you. These brilliant believers with their ideas. It doesn't make sense. Now he goes on. All right, we're more than conquerors through, through him who loved us. So even though we may lose our influence in our country, even, even though we may be thought of as dunces, even though, even though uh, it may go beyond being marginalized and it may go to actual persecution in our country, we can know this, that through Christ, we are more than conquerors. There were those that were martyred 
who, listen, early church father, he was, he, was, he was assigned to be martyred. They were going to kill this guy. And his followers, his church, were like, over our dead body, you're going to kill our pastor. And they were going to break him out. And he was probably a little bit more spiritual than me because I'm like, yeah, break me out of here. Right? I'm looking at all you guys that have guns. Break me out. Not this guy. He's like, stay away from me. This is a testimony for my Lord and Savior, and I get to do this for Him. I am more than a conqueror. Oh, it's an amazing thing that we, listen, that's, the, that's our heritage. That's the legacy that's been left for us to do the impossible. I'm persuaded neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities or powers, in other words, demons, evil spirits, right? nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And I already jumped ahead on this, so I won't spend a lot of time on this, but he didn't spare his son. He loved you so much that he held nothing back from you. He gave you the thing that was most precious to him. If you don't personally know this, that God has forgiven your sins because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, if you don't know that God has forgiven your sins because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, you don't know God. That's why Jesus died. And they say, oh, I know God. I pray all the time. I pray every day. I go to church every day. But you walk around without the knowledge of forgiveness, without understanding that the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness, and you don't know that. I don't think you know God. You might be saved. I'm sketchy on that. And if you are saved, it's because you don't know Him well. You've kind of taken one step forward and two steps back, and you're not really committing to him. So I want you to think about this this morning. We're going to be taking the Lord's Supper in a little bit, and the Lord's Supper represents the love of God in the person of Jesus. He is, he is by the way, watching online here in the sanctuary. We're starting, finally starting to catch up to where we were maybe before pandemic. If you don't know you're forgiven... You don't have to stay that way. In fact, you're here this morning, you're watching online today because you need Jesus and He wants you. I said a moment ago that I struggle with insecurity, right? That's kind of one of my hang-ups. And the most important thing to defeat that hang-up in my life is to know this, God wants me. Like, you might not want me, but He does. He wants me. And He knows me, which is even more amazing because... If you knew me, you'd be like, yeah, I understand nobody wanting you. But God wants me, and He saved me, and He loves me. And when I fail and screw up, He deals with me, and He draws me back because I am His child now. And if you're here this morning watching or in person, would you place your faith in Jesus? He is here. He is before you. He wants you. He wants you. He made his enemies his friends. So you might be thinking, I'm so bad, I'm so this, I'm so that. He made his enemies his friends the only way that was possible, and that was through the blood of Jesus. So, 
Do you fathom the love of God in your life? Earlier we talked about how God's love is poured into us and sometimes, uh, sometimes we want to kind of put a strainer on that, right? We want to wear two masks, uh, three masks, four masks, a plastic bag. We want to kind of, let's, let's hold off the virus of God's love a little bit because it's a little too much, a little too overwhelming. Anybody ever been there? Like I'm sitting here this morning uh, and they're singing that new song and, and I've gone through a lot. I know some of you have gone through a lot and, and I'm getting choked up and I'm kind of getting, listen man, the love of God is, is kind of moving on me, right? I'm kind of like, oh yes, Lord. And then I'm kind of getting a little choked up and then I'm like, no, 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 not in front of the people, man. Just pull yourself together. And I kind of close that door in God's love just a little bit. We can talk about it later, Lord. Right now I got to preach. Guys, don't close the door on the love of God because you're missing out. You're missing out. In your Christian life, you are missing out. You're missing out. So you say, Pastor, come on. Give me some Scripture. I'm glad you said that. Welcome to Emmanuel. We talk about the Bible here. For this reason, I, the Apostle Paul, and I'm going to join him, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he's going to tell us why. From whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, I am praying, I am bowing my knees, that he would grant you, this is my prayer, that he would, he would enable you to know, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you being rooted and grounded in what? Grounded and rooted in what? Why do we make fun of it? I've been on Facebook and Instagram, and I have seen so-called Christians, and I'm not going to judge their salvation, but I'm going to say, to be a Christian means someone has to call you one. They were first called Christians at Antioch. They didn't call themselves Christians first. And they were called Christians because their lives resembled Jesus, and the word Christian means little Christ. It was like when I was in high school or in middle school, and my big brother Randy, who he lies to every single one of you when he tells you that he's younger than me. He's two and a half years older than me. He was always the tough guy. He was in the Marines and all this kind of stuff and working out, and his arms are the size of my thighs, and he was always scrappy and all these this, and, and he, he was big Randy. He was, he was a Davis. Hey, Davis. And then he moved on, and all of a sudden I was alone in middle school, and it was this. Hey, little Davis. What's up, little Davis? It wasn't, a, listen, it wasn't a compliment. What's up, little Christ? But they knew something. I resembled my brother, although a little bit more handsome. I resembled my brother. I talked like my brother. I, right? I was a little Davis. Some of those that are calling themselves Christians are not bearing the marks of Christ. They ridicule those that love. They ridicule those that have tact. They ridicule those that have mercy and speak with their, listen, their speech always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. I once heard a preacher say that verse. He was quoting that verse, and he goes, and a little bit of pepper spray. <laughs> and everybody in his church laughed because he raised them up to be a bunch of beep. Almost said that. Sorry, Lord. I'm going to move on. You got to be grounded in love. Grounded in love. 
Some of y'all don't have that foundation. You're kind of like standing on the love, standing on love, but I'm not in the earth. My roots are not digging deep into the love of God. I just got a little surface love that we may be able to. <clears throat> Here it is, Pastor. Why is it important? Is is there anywhere in the Scripture that says it's important for us to grasp the depth and the power of God's love? Here it is. I'm praying that you'll be rooted and grounded in love and that you will be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Do you comprehend how deeply God loves you? When you take your cups later and you carefully pull the saran wrap off the cracker first. Somebody told me to do a video. And then you take the second level of whatever and you try to pull that off without spilling it. And you look into this cup. What you're going to see is sort of a purplish red fluid. And you know what that represents, right? This is the love of God in the blood of Christ. And every time we take communion, every time we take of the Lord's Supper, boy, we should never do it tritely. Do you comprehend the love of God? I preached a series, good golly, how many years ago? It was so long ago that the the aspect ratio was 4-3. It was, I mean, it was a while ago, and the series, was called, the series was called Jesus is Awesome. And I remember preparing this particular message, Jesus is Awesome because of His great love. And we went to these passages, and I, and I pulled up things that I thought were really long, the length. I pulled up a bridge from China, the longest bridge in the world. You stand on one end, you can't see the other end. God's love is longer than that. I went to the deepest part of the ocean. Parts of the ocean that we still have yet to fully explore. His love is deeper than that. I pulled up pictures of the Grand Canyon, of the canyon in Peru, of the deepest canyon that we could find. His love runs deeper than that. I pulled up pictures of Mount Everest, Kilimanjaro. I pulled up pictures of, of, of mountain peaks that we look at and we think about that. We say, oh, that's really high. His love is higher than that. And we sit here and we wonder, does God love me? Can He still love me? I've failed, I've fallen, I've screwed up. Can He still love me? Nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And when that love, listen man, when that love, I'm going to make some people mad, when that love begins to pour into your cup, to the point where it begins to overflow. Listen, not only is the crap going to come out of that cup, but eventually what's coming out of that cup is the love of God. The love of God pouring into you is pouring out of you. You know, when, he talked to, when Jesus talked to the woman at the well, he talked about a springs of everlasting life. He didn't say just pouring into you, did he? He said they're going to pour out of you. And this is what the world needs today. They don't need more know-it-all Christians. They need more love-it-all Christians. And the problem is, 
We try to love in our own power. We try to love like, um, like the world loves. We try to love just emotionally. When we need love, our love needs to be poured out from the inpouring. I talk to our pastor staff, pastoral staff. I talk to our leadership and, and we talk about how to preach and how to teach sometimes. And I explain to them this, that you cannot minister if you're running on empty. That your ministry needs to be an overflow of what God is ministering in you. And when you get a preacher that gets up here and you can tell he's like passionate, he's preaching the word and he's like into it, that means, I'll tell you what, unless he's a really good faker, that means that God has been ministering to him and he's now overflowing. Do you have that kind of love? My prayer is that you will, that you'll open the gates and just let him pour it in. And so when we take of the Lord's Supper, it reminds us of his great love. So, before we take it, there are a few things that I need to prepare you for. The first thing is this. Beware. Beware. Some people, when they take the Lord's cup, they do it insincerely. They do it, as I mentioned, with, with a, a trite heart, a shallow heart. Um, it's boring, or, or, or worse than that, that... They consider it optional. Oh, I can take it or not. It is not optional, Christian. It doesn't have the power to save you, but it is not optional. The power in the supper is to revive you, to remind you of the love of God in Christ Jesus, of what it took to save you. It's supposed to stir our affections toward that which is above and not that which is on earth. The ceremony is not to be taken lightly. If you have doubts of your salvation this morning, if you are not certain that you are going to heaven when you die, you are not certain that your sins have been forgiven, right now is the time. Before we go any further, cry out to Jesus in your seat. You don't have to say it out loud. Just, Lord Jesus, I come to you. I have come to believe that you are, you are God in the flesh and you died on the cross for me and I believe you rose from the grave and I'm so sick of the sin in my life. I'm so tired of this. And I know that I can't fix myself and I can't earn your forgiveness and so I am just crying out to you based on the blood of Jesus. Would you forgive me of my sins? Cleanse me and give me eternal life to be with you forever and ever. And the Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you have not done that and you are unwilling to do that, let me tell you what, man, do not touch the cup. Don't take it. Don't drink it. Don't open it. Put it aside. Pretend. Keep the cover on it. I'm like, if you're embarrassed. If you have been saved and you know Jesus and you when I say saved that means that you've been forgiven of your sins and you've been saved from going to hell I want you to think about this this is Jesus anybody ever seen those old cartoons where the guy ties uh, is it Dudley Do-Right uh, who's always the, the girl is always tied to the train tracks you know what I'm saying the girl's tied to the the damsel in distress you follow me you are the damsel I know some of y'all have beards Y'all the damsel. You're not saving yourself. You're tied to the track and the train is bearing down. And you look up there, the train is bearing down. The train, the train is the judgment of God. The train 
is the condemnation of God. He said, those that do not believe are condemned already for they have not believed in the, only, the name of the only begotten Son of God. And along comes Jesus. And he starts taking off your ropes and he's, he's getting you free. And you look at him and say, no, no, don't do this. No, I can take care of myself. Well, you're going to hit. You're going to get hit and you're going to spend eternity in hell away from God. Or you can stop fighting and you can let him rescue you. Same illustration for drowners. You're drowning. You're trying to save yourself. You're drowning. You're trying to save yourself. Lifeguard jumps in and says, stop it. Stop it. Folks, Jesus took the hit for us. Untied the bonds of sin and threw us off the track. And then the train hit him. That's what the cross represents. He took the condemnation that we deserve. So beware Beware. If, you're, if you are a believer, if you have trusted Christ and you are condemning your brother or sister in Christ, repent. Repent. Let it go. Confess your sin of condemnation. Now we can be, we can be um, discerning with brothers and sisters and say, I, I, listen, I can't participate in with this with you. What you're doing is sin. But we are not to be condemning our brothers and sisters. If you have a condemning spirit, beware and repent. Turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians. You say, where does all this come from? Well, here we go. Therefore, whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself. This is what I'm talking about. Beware. Are you harboring resentment in your heart for a brother or sister in Christ? You husbands and wives, you're here today, and you, some, in some cases, y'all aren't going to take the Lord's Supper because you're in a fight. The Lord's Supper's not optional. You're elevating your argument above Jesus? Get over it. How about pouring some grace into one another? Your marriage is supposed to be a picture of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's supposed to be the greatest representation of grace the earth has seen since he died on the cross. I digress. But let him examine himself and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this many reason many are weak and sick among you and many sleep. That means they have died but when we are judged, we're chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. Therefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for another, wait for one another. But if anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, let you, lest you come together for judgment and I'll set the rest in order when I come. So what do we do? We repent. I already said beware, now I say repent. 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 He said some even sleep. If you have little regard for the church, Beware and repent. Don't take the Lord's Supper. If you have a low regard for the body of Christ, which is the church, don't take the Lord's Supper. Judge yourself. Acknowledge your sins before the Lord and determine by His grace that you will not fall, fall again. And then this, and this is a, as, we, as we're wrapping up this message. Become whole. Those of you who have not yet believed, when you trust in Jesus for your salvation, when you ask God to forgive you of your sins in the name of Jesus by His death, burial, and resurrection, what happens is your dead spirit 
comes to life. He resurrects the dead spirit within you. As a believer, <coughs> as a believer, we can, we can kind of lose that fellowship with God. And I don't know about you, I can't be separated from God, but I've, listen, I've been married for 30 years. It'll be 31 years in August. And there's times, listen, we're still married, but there's times where there's something wrong in the house, right? Where it almost seems like we're more roommates than husband and wife. Still married, still connected. Similar things can happen in our relationship with God. Where if there's sin in our lives and it's unconfessed, on our part, we're hesitant and we cannot have a healthy, holy fellowship with God because we have something that we have not opened our hearts to let Him cleanse. So I challenge you, become whole. It's only with Jesus that we're whole. When the enemy comes in and distracts us and draws us away from our Lord, from our church, we lose something special. We need each other. Maybe you've fallen into sin and you think, I could never get back to where I was. Yes, you can. Not only can you get back to where you was, but you can get back to where you were better. But you got to open your heart and let the love of God pour in. In Psalm 52, the psalmist sings, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Folks, if you're living a joyless existence, there's something wrong. Come to Jesus and be made whole. It's my hope that this day you will see yourself forgiven and cleansed and made new. And if you haven't trusted Jesus yet, made into a child of God. What I'm going to ask you to do at this moment is bow your heads and close your eyes. We'll bring it down to pianissimo. Have you had a time in your life where you have asked Jesus to be your one and only Savior once and for all, that, that you're not trying to earn it, not trying to fix yourself, but want to be forgiven, want to be changed, and you ask Jesus to be your Savior? Would you raise your hand and say, Pastor, I have trusted Jesus, and I know that He has forgiven me. Just hold your hand up there for a couple minutes here, a couple seconds. I've trusted Jesus, I know, but I have a home in heaven. You can put your hands down. If you haven't trusted Jesus, there's a few of you that, that I, I see that you couldn't raise your hand. Your heart held you. Would you trust Him this morning? See, He wants you. He wants you. Would you ask Jesus to be your Savior this morning? Lord Jesus, please forgive me of my sin. Cleanse my heart and make me into a child of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sin. You took my judgment. You took my place and you rose from the grave. And the best way I know how, I'm asking you to forgive me and cleanse me and give me a new life. Would you pray something like that to him this morning? Would you trust in Jesus this morning once and for all? Finally, if you're here this morning and something hits you in the message, maybe there's a sin in your life that you've kept hidden from God. You think it's hidden from God. Maybe it's hidden from everybody else, but it's not hidden from God, folks. Let Him fill your cup with His love. Pull off the covers. Open your heart. Let Him pour into you. 
Let him forgive you. Let him cleanse you. And what we'll do is as we take the Lord's Supper and you take the cup and you drink of the grape juice that represents the blood of Jesus, I hope it will restore to you the joy of your salvation and affirm for you that yes, not only do you want him, but he wants you. Hey all, thanks for listening to this podcast. If you'd like to know more, please go to our website, emmanuelhooksit.com, where you'll find helpful links and resources and where you can contact us directly. That web address again is emmanuelhooksit.com. Bless God, get out there, and be the blessing.